Look at my butt. Show number 247 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Yay! It's We're recording! Welcome, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of Look at His Butt, the podcast where we talk about Star Trek, but mostly about William Shatner. Merry Shatmas, everyone. A moist and merry Shatmas to A everyone. A moist and merry Shatmas. We hope you're all having a, a grand time wherever you are. And I am going to make a prediction. <gasps> Bill's Christmas album will not be coming out this year. <laughs> I think I you're know 100% Lena right. Lena kept saying he could still do it. <laughs> well, you are 100% right. And um, yeah, so I guess we should start looking for it like next October or November. Something like that. Yeah. I will say, though, well, Bill, Bill did gift us with something. And mm-hmm. that is there's a new fan club. Yes. Uh, listeners will remember, and some of you may have even been members of the old fan club, which ran for many years and for which you had to pay. And there were different levels, weren't there? I don't think so. Okay, I couldn't remember. Um, and it was the thing through which you got access to the Shatner Weekend. You had to be a member of the fan club to do the Shatner Weekend. Right. And... There was a, a website, you know, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But the main thing was, you know, you could then pay more money to go to Shatner Weekend. Yes, as we did. And they also sent out, they used to send out a newsletter called mm-hmm. The Best of Times, um, which was pretty good. You know, it kind of yeah. summarized whatever was going on. I, I think the era of the newsletter, though, is, is well past. Like, there's absolutely no point in putting out a paper thing that you mail to people anymore. Right. Um, and the, the thing was, you paid your membership, and your membership lasted four newsletters. Mm-hmm. And my membership's still in effect, as far as I know, because I got two. <laughs> one day, it's it's just going to arrive out of the Yes, place. yes. Um, so if you want to sign up, you go to uh, williamshatnerfanclub.com. It's free to sign up. And once you are signed up, you have access to all the different areas of the website, including uh, the part where everybody goes, which is the forum, which is where the discussions happen. That's right. And uh, we have discovered that the fan club itself is being run by the same people who used to run the fan club. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, good on them for keeping it up. And Bill will never, ever find anybody as dedicated and willing to work for no money whatsoever than those right. people. And, uh, and, you know, sort of going through it. The little bit I have gone through it, I did see some familiar names, but the the familiar names to me are people that I know mostly at this point from uh, Bill's uh, Facebook page, Uh which, you know, there's always stuff being posted there. A lot of it's, you know, the same old, same old, but still, you know, it it can be fun. Mm -hmm. Every now and then somebody will post a picture or something I'd never seen before. So that's great. Yeah, it's awesome. We both joined, so we are both there. And um, here's Bill's welcome message that he posted himself. It says, I apologize for the delay in getting here. With my new show previewing this week, I've been doing lots of press. I just returned from doing a segment on E.T. and Home and Family, but I wanted to come here to express my delight in the number of people that have signed up. To quote Sally Field, you like me right now. You like me. (laughs) And then he put a little emoji of a kissy face. Oh, boy. Um, As I said in my video, we are going to do fun things, important things, and we are going to take this fan club where no one has gone before. Wink. My best, (laughs) Bill. Now, let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you get like an email almost every day? I do. Saying Bill has started a media conversation, so I click through, and it's a photo. I'm going, okay, well, I thought media conversation might be at least sound, but, you know, a little film clip of him saying... Um, hi, are you excited for the, the, for, um, better late than never or anything, you know, she'll at us, Bill. That's okay. Nah, he, he, he hasn't done that. Um, it, yeah, I get that too. And it's either a a photograph or sometimes a video, like an old video. He'll post Mm -hmm. something that's there. And I hope that we don't start getting them multiple times a day because that will be yes. more annoying than anything. Yes. I'm just looking at a, a section of the website. So they've got this contest and the contest is, uh, let's see, I will read it. 
win this signed holiday card from William Shatner. To win, you have to log in every day, invite your friends to join, and then check the leaderboard. So I think the way it works is the more people that you encourage to sign up, the more uh, points you get. Yes, yes, I'm then, sure that's how it works. Yeah, and then you can win the lovely thing. So um, the leaderboard has the the three people who I guess are at the top, but it doesn't say how many people have been uh, added due to them. It just says okay. how many points they have. And these people all have like close to a million points. So I don't know what that means. I can't okay, tell. whatever. <laughs> yeah, sure. We're and not then worthy. You, We're not worthy. I, I have other things to do. And then there's a, a section called today's top 100. And there you can see all the people now. Um, some people have put their real photographs as their uh image you know their mm -hmm. icon next to their name mine's a pikachu because i'm not putting my my real picture up there right and uh, mine I'm is just... a a red-headed woman on a, a vintage magazine cover oh that's very good i like yes. that so i'm just glancing through here to see if any of these other people are people that we would know either by sight or by their username we did see john tenuto on here so he has yes. joined okay that's very that's very cool yeah, it's good. So we encourage you guys to join. Who knows? You know, maybe there will be some really fun stuff that happens later on. Um, presumably more contests or maybe opportunities to see some stuff before it goes out to the general public. Certainly, mm -hmm. I think they'll have more stuff to buy eventually, probably T-shirts or books or, you know, just the mm -hmm. other stuff you usually get through fan clubs. Good. And as you pointed out, um, when you go to the forum, one of the top discussion areas is people complaining about the forum and about the whole website. <laughs> I, I think there is some law we have not seen written down that is if you open a forum, the first one of the, the first three posts up has to be, this is a bad forum. And here's why. <laughs> I think that's exactly right. I think it is a requirement. It's just a requirement. Of the um, internet. Yeah. And, you know, if you go to the homepage for this, um, mm -hmm. once you've signed in, there's Bill's picture, his Twitter picture, and mm -hmm. underneath it, it says online, and there's a little green dot next to it. So I don't know what that means. He's online. Does that mean he's reading the forums? Does that mean he's just online? Does that mean he's tweeting right now? I don't know. It doesn't say. I don't know either. I don't know. He could be twittering away. Uh, as he probably is. Um, and then there are... Well, he's probably, you know, twittering away or whatever he's doing. He is shilling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because he has a lot to shill for right now. He does. So, speaking of shilling, let's talk about Better Late Than Never. Yes. is happening, and you saw it and I didn't, so please tell me all about it. Okay, well, here's the thing. I understood it was to premiere in January. Mm -hmm. And so I'm surfing around a couple of weeks ago on TV, and all of a sudden there it was. I mean, it was like 8 o'clock and it was starting. And I went, what the fuck? <laughs> so it was. It was an hour long, and uh, they were in uh, Germany, in Bavaria, doing Oktoberfest. Uh -huh. and, um, and Bill was, you know, being his grumpy self. <laughs> Uh-huh. And, and, you know, and it was cute. It was funny. And then they went to the the meadow up in the Alps where they filmed the opening of The Sound of Music. Uh -huh. And so they're all spinning. And they're all wearing Lederhosen that do none of them any favors. But <laughs> they're all, you know, spinning around and doing the hills are alive and everything. And then uh, <clears throat> Bill's going, this is such a beautiful spot. This is so awe-inspiring and really being serious and then in the background terry bradshaw starts singing and bill's going don't sing you know so, <laughs> well i found out later from somebody else it was like a preview thing oh. and i said well not well publicized obviously because you know, i just stumbled on it but apparently it was you know either i haven't quite figured it out um it was a preview thing and the first episode is going to be different because weren't the episodes oh. like a half an hour long yeah, they were, I, oh gosh, I think so, but I can't remember for I sure. I think they it's were. a year ago. Yeah. Um, so maybe it's different or, you know, maybe this is what the first episode's going to be. But it did, you know, it looked like they're having real fun. And uh, <clears throat> I read an article, just came up recently. And what I liked about it was uh, 
I can't remember if it was Bill saying this or Henry Winkler. I think it was Bill saying, well, last time, you know, we all got together in the first couple episodes. We're basically paid to act like we're friends. <laughs> but then after that, we really were friends. Mm. And so now we, um, you know, when we got together to do this one, it was like we were, we were also glad to see each other mm. and, and have a good time. And uh, now I'm trying to think if this was... Uh, maybe it wasn't in the episode I saw him. Maybe it was in an article I read, mm -hmm. but Bill was talking about, um, he wanted to have a certain type of moment in this series, you know, mm. with going to where his ancestors came from. Mm -hmm. And he did talk about that, about being in that village where his grandmother was born. And he or Henry or he and Henry together uh, were talking about, um, you know, how Henry went, you know, where his family was from. And, of course, mm -hmm. most of his family from that era died in concentration camps. And uh, it was really quite moving. Yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to those episodes mm -hmm. where they really connect. Um, so they, they go to Spain. I know they go to Spain. Mm -hmm. I can't think where else they go. Maybe Rome? You, you know, um, when they go to Spain, are they going to go to a bullfight? I do not know. Because I don't really think I can watch that. If, if no. They, like that part of it, I'll, I'll skip over that. Right. That kind of right. makes me sick. Yeah. So, don't uh, need to no, see that. Here's the thing, though. W weren't Bill and Henry friends before this started? I kind of thought that's why they got involved, because it was Henry's idea. And then I thought he called Bill, my good friend, well, Bill I, Shatner. To well, him. yeah, I think they were friends. They knew each other. But uh -huh. I, I think they have gotten closer. But I, I at least Bill uh, did not know George Foreman mm -hmm. or Terry Bradshaw. So, yeah, they definitely got to be friends. I found the article that you were quoting from, and okay. this was very interesting. Um, Henry Winkler said during the trip, the 40 days that they were on this trip, they filmed 10 to 12 hours a day. Wow. Can you imagine that? For 40 straight days almost, uh -huh. just being filmed all day Ugh. from when you get up to when you go to sleep at night, basically. That's insane. I think I would go insane after, like... A week of that and just start, you know, oh, yeah. pushing the cameramen over cliffs and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was like when they did that um, Bill's house renovation. Oh, and on the last day, he's going, goodbye, get out of my house. I never want to see you again. <laughs> oh, man. Well, cool. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, And the article here says all five said they'd do a third season without hesitation. So I get the feeling that they will... Uh, keep doing this as long as there's places for them to go and all of them are available and not dead. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, that's good. I will link to this article because it's a good one. It's yes. uh, an AP article and it's called Bradshaw Foreman Winkler Shatner Bond on European TV Trip. I think it's a great idea and it just, you know, fills some of you in on a little background. It is based on a, a Japanese show that was a huge hit in Japan. And um, the Japanese show title, when translated to English, is Grandfathers Over Flowers. <laughs> so. for, for some reason. It, for, it's got some for meaning, some reason. presumably. presumably yes, yeah. yes. So, um, yeah, I'm glad they're doing this. And, uh, yes, it, 10 hours a day, that's, that is a very long work schedule. But uh, they do look like they're managing to have fun. Yeah, yeah, I think and they are. And they're just loving, you know, uh, picking on each other and... <laughs> and teasing and all those good things. I wonder if Bill could ever have predicted that in addition to all of the other things that he's done and conquered because he has, mm -hmm. he would he would conquer reality TV. Well, you know, Rescue 911 was a form of reality TV. Mm -hmm. Uh the 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 home renovation was. Yep, yeah. You know, he's done a number of things in that area. Yeah, it's like well, it's... if there's media out there Bill wants to know about it and he wants to be in on it. I, I I just think it's cool that late in life, you know, he's he's gone from doing totally scripted things balanced with things like interviews and appearances at cons mm -hmm. to being a star of this completely new sort of 
media that was never even thought of, you know, so many years ago. Like, you know, Rescue 911, yeah, it was kind of reality TV, but it wasn't about him. And now he's the star of Mm -hmm. the home renovation show and the traveling around Europe kind of thing. So I want to ask you something. This wasn't on our list of topics, but it kind of fits in. We've, Mm -hmm. um, We've talked about Bill has this incredible work ethic, mm-hmm. and I believe um, works very hard at the craft of being an actor when he's playing a role, and is respectful of 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 acting. This is a different kind of acting, and some mm-hmm. of it's not, you know. Well, it's kind of acting, you know, when you're interviewed on a on a TV show or whatever. But um, why do you think? He does all these things, the things that you and I would not say, well, Bill's playing a role, you know, like, um, you know, in the Canadian TV show he did and stuff like that, where it was Mark Twain. Why do you think he continues to pursue all of these things that aren't even in acting, the quote unquote writing of the books? Um, Why do you think he does it? And the albums? I, I think he likes to create. Oh, that's interesting. I I feel like he really likes to make things. Uh Uh-huh. And to his credit, he's recognized when he needs help in making those things. Uh Uh-huh. So he gets people to co-write the books with him and, and, you know, do the music for these records and... I feel like it's it's just part of like it's part of his work ethic and it's a different sort of ethic than being tapped to play a role like Mark Twain or whatever. Mm-hmm. It it's more about what he can contribute as William Shatner rather than as an actor who's portraying mm-hmm. a role. He seems to get a real kick out of it. You know, he he really likes making things. I I could not believe how much in his element he was in that home improvement show, you know. Uh-huh. That that was amazingly good because he he really was so comfortable in front of the camera and mm-hmm. had so many interesting things to say. And part of it, as we, I think, commented at the time, he was playing his, his William Shatner character. But a lot right. of it was really just him talking about Well, it's his, his home, you know. Yeah, and his home. And, and maybe he's just gotten to the point where he's comfortable revealing that much about himself in a way that he never was before. Where does Twitter fit into this? <laughs> I have no idea what he sees. And I am like, I just want him to shut up sometimes because he's still picking fights with people about those two actors on Outlander. Yeah. So every goddamn day, it's like, Bill, stop engaging with these people. It's like Bill is going through what all the rest of us went through 10, 15 years ago. The somebody on the internet is wrong phase. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what it is. I okay. don't get it. It's, I don't, I don't get it. I really don't. Well, the reason I bring it up, and now I want to get your thoughts on this statement. Uh-huh. I read an article the other day. I didn't know Bill was going to, to be part of the article. But it was one of these list things. Ten people who are this, ten people who are that. And it was ten or five, maybe it was 10 each. Okay, 10 or five celebrities who hate being famous and 10 or five celebrities who are addicted to fame. And they put Bill on the addicted to fame side. Hmm. And I don't think he, he hates it. I mean, he knows there are drawbacks. But they were kind of saying that that was their explanation for all these things he continues to do at the age of, I believe it's now 86, 87. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know about that. I, I, hmm. It's kind of an odd statement. Yeah. When I think addicted to fame, did you see the movie Soap Dish? No. I did oh, not. it's so, so funny. But anyway, Sally Field is the, the star of this soap. And when her life starts getting really shaky, Whoopi Goldberg, who is the head writer of the soap, takes her to a shopping mall in New Jersey and pretends she doesn't know her and goes, Is it? Is it really you? And suddenly people are <laughs> clustering out. Can I have your autograph? I love you. I love you. And I'm thinking, That's addicted to fame. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I could think of other people who really are addicted to fame, like who will basically do anything to to be in the spotlight. Right. I don't. I don't think Bill has to be 
in the spotlight, I, I do think maybe he's at this point addicted to creating things and making mm-hmm. things and working. Like he's definitely addicted to working. I would say that. Yeah. Sure. But it's not a question of just keeping busy. Mm. You know, I, I mean, to me, that's a different thing. Like, I don't know. Well, I've got three hours. I might as well play Sudoku or, you know, just to keep <laughs> busy, just to do something. Yeah. I don't think it's that. No, I no, I, I agree. It's not that. Um, I was just, as we're considering all the things that he does, I, I don't think he's addicted to fame because so, so much, a, a fair percentage, let's say, of what he does are things that are not visible to the audience mm-hmm. like his, his general audience he does a ton of business engagements right where he's talking right. to business groups or um you know the the aerospace guy that he made friends with and and in canada and you know he'll do stuff like that and mm-hmm. nobody knows about it nobody reads about it it's it's strictly within those circles and he's not doing that to get glory and adoration he's doing that because he's interested in it and mm-hmm. they've asked him and he thinks it's a you know it's a kind of a cool thing to do and he d- totally, this has actually come up on Twitter. He had an argument with someone about it the other day <laughs> oh, that um, he he really is adamant about not giving autographs. Yes. Um, and he in, talks about that in Better Late Than Never. But yeah. go on. Yeah. So he, maybe that's why he, he felt like he needed to bring it up on Twitter. But some idiot person um, really made up a story about seeing him in a restaurant and him being rude to her. And going back to her original posting about the story, he wasn't rude at all. Like he sort of greeted her and that was it. And he went back to the meeting he was having in a mm-hmm. restaurant and she tried to spin it into like, Oh, you're so rude to your fans. And he just said, look, when I'm out in public, unless I'm doing a public thing, that's my private time. I'm having dinner in a restaurant with someone or I'm with my family. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to sign an autograph for you. I'll, I'll say hello, but that's it. Mm-hmm. You, you don't get any more of that. So he, he isn't going to a mall so that he can be recognized and have people mob yes. him and go, oh, your autograph, please, Mr. Shatner. He's he's way beyond that now. I mean, maybe it was true at some mm-hmm. point, but I don't – that's not what he wants now, certainly. Well, you know, and he gets a lot of flack for – and he sort of addresses this on Better Late Than Never because he's saying, Henry will, you know, talk to anybody and do pictures and autographs, and I won't do that. And, and Henry says, why, why, you know, pushes him on it. And, and Bill says, because when I do an autograph, it's worth something. And it, it's not ego. He's talking about that these things that he autographs are, they, they turn around and they sell them on eBay. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, when he and the other Star Trek actors found out there was money to be made in it, I'm sure he's not the only one who said, I do it at a con for $50 a pop or $100 a pop if it's a photograph. Mm-hmm. And, the, and Bill is putting the money into his charity. And many celebrities have done that. I remember Celeste Holm being very famous for that. If um, somebody came up to her and asked for an autograph, her price eventually went up, but it started out, you know, that'll be a dollar. And she put it into her charity, whatever Mm -hmm. that was. And many people have done that. And I think some of what might be interpreted as addicted to fame is that Bill has realized that as a famous person, he now has this sort of power or ability to do more than be a famous person, yeah. to to put to do some good in the world through his work with with horses and you know his charities mm-hmm. and you know raising awareness on certain topics. And so, if he's going to be out there, you know shilling for his horse show it's not come and see me ride a horse he knows you know he's the head of the thing he wants to get other celebrities there they're the draw he's the draw but it's to raise awareness to Mm -hmm. get money into this charity and he's doing what many celebrities do which is you know try to use that many of them do it politically many of them do it for charity Many don't do a damn thing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but it's like, wow, I, I can do this. I can get, I'm interested in this. I can get other people interested in this and that will help. Yeah. Uh, and he is tireless when he's shilling for the horse show. Oh yeah. You know, I, he, when he does the shilling for 
better late than never and all the things that he's obligated to do. Of course, he does a great job and, and mentions course. them at every opportunity. But when he's shilling for the horse show, that's like nonstop for three months before the thing happens. Mm-hmm. He really goes all out for that. And you can tell that it's something that's really important for him to promote. That is for other people. It's not for the glory of William Shatner. Right. It's, to help all these kids and all these other organizations. And that's where he's putting a lot of his energy. So I, I totally respect him for that. And, you know, his Twitter feed changes at that time because he'll be posting about, look what the cast of Battlestar Galactica has sent us for the yeah. auction, mm-hmm. you know, and look what this star has sent us. And, oh, you're not going to believe what just came in. He wants he wants people to, to be involved in that. Yep, he's he he's great. He is really good. Mm-hmm. He he uses his um his influence uh, as a lever, right? Yes. To get people to donate things and mm-hmm. to contribute. And he, as he said when we were there, I'm the biggest whore you'll ever meet. You know? Right, <laughs> like, right. For a good cause, that is exactly mm-hmm. what he will do. So, uh, it's weird how people just have such expectations. Somebody else in this Twitter discussion that was happening mm-hmm. the other day, they were saying to him. When you do autographs at a con, you know, you don't even talk to people, you know, you just do the autographs and Bill tried to explain, look, I'm there for 45 minutes. If I stopped to talk to every single person who got through the line, I would never get through. And Mm -hmm. then he posted his schedule for a con that he'd gone to recently just so that people could see how yes. packed his day was. And there's like five minutes in between each thing that he has to do, mm-hmm. like a panel and photographs and autographs and this and that. And then there's a, like a lunchtime blocked off. And even after posting that, there were some people who were like, well, you have five minutes in between each thing. You could just take some of that time. It's like, uh, could no, I go to the bathroom? Get... And... Yeah. He has to get from one place to another. Like, Jesus, yeah. give him a little so. Well, and that's part of why it was so mind-blowing that he gave me a hug. Yeah. I mean, Bill doesn't do stuff like that. It's not nope. like it happens once per con even. I know it has happened with other people over the course of all the years he's been doing cons. But that's like Bill's up there. He's doing his entertainment. He's doing his Q&A. He's fulfilling his obligation. And this was like, you know, above and beyond. That was damned exciting. It was so amazing. And it was because you in, you intrigued him and you made him laugh. <laughs> that was the thing. You made him, like, he genuinely laughed. He and... did. He did. And that really was so much fun to have made him really laugh. Yep. So that's why he gave you a hug because you made, you surprised him. You made him laugh. He was delighted and you totally deserved it. Because how often does that happen, right? I guess. I guess that was, yeah. It was pretty amazing. And, well, it's like the guy, um, you know, who was in the, uh, was it a Klingon outfit who made both Bill and Leonard laugh so hard with, at the time, it seemed like the logical thing to do. (laughs) And Leonard went over and shook his hand. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, that was a good one, guy. You, you know. Exactly. You're funny. You're clever. (laughs) When you can can surprise them or make them Mm -hmm. laugh, that really makes their day because it's something that they haven't heard a million times before. I guess. Yep. So I will say one other thing about Bill's Twitter feed lately that amuses me no end is like every day somebody writes, and here's one very typical thing. Um, Hi, William Shatner. I'm a big fan. I love your work. (laughs) Quick question. Why do you look so angry in your profile pic? (laughs) You bring so much joy to so many. And in every single one, Bill responds, I love my photo. And that's it. That's all he'll ever say is, I love my photo. People complain all the time, and he is sticking with that picture. Well, you know, that is amazing because I thought the same thing. And the one that's up there now is the one he's used for many years. But when I first joined, there was a different one, but he still looked really angry. (laughs) And I thought, why, why, you know... Why do you look so angry in your pic? I'm glad I didn't ask him. (laughs) Bill loves that picture. I don't know. I don't know if he thinks he looks angry in it, but he loves that picture. Okay. All righty. Don't don't ask him about it. I won't. I won't. Thanks for the warning. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what you get out of William Shatner's Twitter. I guess. 
this. Um, let's see. What time is it? Let me look oh, it's time. been a half an hour. We should take a little break. All right. Let's take a little break. And then we've got uh, a couple of uh, little off-topic things to talk about. And then we'll, we'll bring it back around to William Shatner and Star Trek, which is what this podcast is about. Okay. We'll be right back. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Listeners, we would love to hear from you. Send us email at lookathisbutt at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook and leave us a comment. Tell us your Trek news. And now, a fake ad. When you get home from your shift at Starfleet Academy, the last thing you want is the hassle of pushing buttons on the replicator just to get some food. But it doesn't have to be that way. Sign up for Mike's Apron, the meal service that sends you easy-to-prepare food. Once a month, if Mike remembers, he'll send you a box of cereal that you can eat in front of your computer while reading a great blog like Mike Sterling's Progressive Ruin. He'll even include a note to remind you to add milk if you have any and, you know, you want to. Mike's Apron is perfect for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and the all-important bowl of cereal before bed. It's less than a quatlu a meal. And right now, Mike's Apron has an exclusive offer for our listeners. Mike will also include a package of Oreo Thins for snack time. Mike's Apron, a better way to not put any effort into cooking. Well, we're back. We are back. And we have some things to talk about, some Star Trek-related things. You know, I I felt somewhat um, obligated to announce the name of the show. We didn't get as far as saying our own names because all the other podcasts I listen to, the people always say, this is the name of the show and this is me. And sometimes then they, they say who they are and what they do. And it's like... When have we ever done that on this show? Probably never. So, <laughs> Well, it's, at the beginning, we used to remember every now and then to yeah. say, you know, I'm Lane, I'm Kitty, you know, and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. But uh, if know. there's one of us who's hoarse and coughing, it's always Kitty. So <laughs> you guys know this stuff. I know. It's like it's, you're in the club now. So you just, you know, <laughs> you know who's talking. Anyway. That's right. We're talking. <laughs> We're talking now. Please listen to us. Uh, anyway, so the, uh, two things happened recently in the world of science fiction. Uh, one was that there's a new Star Wars movie out, which I went to see. And you know what? It was really good. I really enjoyed it. Well, good and for you. The reason that I enjoyed it was because it was not like most of the other Star Wars movies. Ah. Um, it, it confounded expectations, and it had a really, really good message that um, was not in line with previous messages from Star Wars, which was the thing I kind of objected to about Star Wars. We talked about this on the show. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, the, the Jedi are the ones who get to save the world because of whatever that ridiculous explore- explanation that they mm-hmm. had in the, in the prequels was. So yes. it was like, you had to be this incredibly special person. Um, but the message of this particular movie is, nope, you don't have to be. You can be a nobody. You can be anybody, and you can save the world. And I thought that was a really good message. Um, just so much more hopeful and so so much less uh, class-related, you know? Uh-huh. It, it was just about anybody being able to do good and make a difference, and that was cool. Cool. And also the movie is filled with women and lots of non-white people, too. So that was uh, extra Very bonus. Good. Hooray. Um, so you want to talk about Doctor Who? Well, no, I wanted to talk just about another movie for just a second. Oh, yes, I please. also saw a science fiction type movie. I saw The Shape of Water. Oh, yeah. I heard that was really good. It is really good. And um, the only other movie I had seen directed, written by Del Toro, is... Um, Pan's Labyrinth, which I Uh loved. This is nothing like Pan's Labyrinth, but that was so unique and unusual that, you know, I wasn't at all worried about going to this. And it is, in many ways, it's a typical story, kind of like E.T., kind of like a romance, kind of like all those things, except it's, it's told so well, it's told so beautifully. And it's a real, to me, a very courageous movie mm. because it does some things that I'm going, 
oh, wow, you're not really going that. You are, and you're making it work. And I love when somebody can, you know, surprise me yeah. like that. So I really, really strongly recommend that. Oh, cool. That's great. I have heard lots and lots of good things about it. And mm -hmm. it also seems like um, a very woman-centric movie. Which it is, is very woman-centric, and it is... Um, it's not silly. It's not childish. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's adult, and I don't mean in a, a sexy porn way or anything like that. It's just, you're right, it's woman-centric, it's adult-centric, and it's, um, it's like a movie you've seen before, but it's also completely unique. So Cool. Yay. Go well, see it. Good. Yes, now let's talk about Doctor Who, because I watched it too. Yeah, well, it... Um... So the, the Christmas episode was uh, Peter Capaldi's last episode and introduced mm -hmm. the 13th Doctor. I actually went to see it in the movies just oh, last night. Oh, good for and you. Yeah, it was cool to see it in the movies, you know, mm -hmm. just seeing it on a big screen with good sound. And yeah. there was a little featurette before it and after it uh, about the making of an interview with the director and some other people, which was, was cool and interesting. And I thought they did an excellent job. It was a good Christmas episode. You know, it was serious, mm -hmm. but there were, there were a lot of humor in it as well and uh it was it was very sad at the end i will <sighs> freely admit that i teared up quite a bit when when peter capaldi started regenerating and i was like oh he's really going i was oh. you know i was crying through a lot of not the last half certainly not but you know even before he started the the regeneration you know mm -hmm. there were some some things there like that whole idea of uh, testimony, you know. Oh yeah. Oh, that really, I, I hit me in the heart. Yeah. You know, the idea that wouldn't that be wonderful if I could spend a few more minutes with the person I've lost mm -hmm. because it would be accessible, or they would be accessible. You know. Yeah, yeah. And um, and I also love the whole thing about testimony. Spoilers, spoilers, everybody. Um, <laughs> uh, the idea when he went. Oh, it's not an evil plot. <laughs> and I thought, oh, hooray, because, you know, the, when it started, I, I loved it from the first minute. But I'm thinking, okay, when does the part come where I get really confused? Because I always only half know what's going on in Doctor Who. Yep. But I keep watching for the the, the wit and the, the intelligence and the fun, you know. And this one never had that. And I was like, oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Yep, it, it was uh, it was pretty straight ahead. I loved when he said, oh, it's not an evil plot. Well, I don't know what to do now that it's yeah. not an evil plot. <laughs> well, you know, the first, I don't know, 15 minutes or whatever it was of those two doctors, I went, okay, I would just watch a series of these guys bickering. <laughs> you know, please, please, please stop saying that, you know. <laughs> just, yep. Oh, my God, they were so, so in tune with each other. Oh, it was wonderful. Uh, I, I, I will mention for people who haven't seen it, the guy who plays the first Doctor, mm -hmm. uh, David Bradley, who you may know from the Harry Potter movies, played the first Doctor in the movie about that actor, William Hartnell, uh, mm -hmm. called An Adventure in Time and Space. And that was wonderful. That was on. Oh, I'm going to have to go find that now. Okay, it was like three or four years ago. Oh, it was mm -hmm. so good. It was really well done. And he really captured the essence of that actor. And, and I'm so glad they brought him back. And I think he's now doing some of the audio dramas that they produce. Uh, yes, I heard Big Finish. that. Yeah, yeah. Everybody does that. So well, imagine, you know, they're like, oh, you don't even have to put on a costume. Just come into the studio and mm -hmm. read the script. It'll be great. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, I, I will say I was also very touched by the situation that's created with um, Mark Gatiss's character, who's a World <gasps> War One officer. Yes. That they, he is plucked out of a situation where he is, is going to die and is given a little bit of extra time and uh, he has to go back. And just his character throughout the whole episode where he sort of has this relief and joy that he's not dying right then mm -hmm. and a little bit of hope that maybe he won't die. And then when he realizes that he has to go back to that moment yes. and face his fate, oh, that gave me chills. It was really, really good. You know, I, I mm -hmm. felt it was very realistic in the way that a person like him would face that moment. Yes. You know, with, with dignity, but with regret and with a sense of duty, like mm -hmm. this has to happen. I have to do this. Oh, well, and when he, you know, Asked them to look in on his family. Mm -hmm. That that was one of the the points where I was just like, Whoa! Yep. you know. But um, yes, 
that was one. But you know what? I got to tell you, there's certain things I always catch on to. <laughs> the minute it was World War One, I, I knew what was coming. Oh, yeah? Really? As far as I the didn't. Christmas Eve thing. Oh, okay. Oh, I, th- there are very few things I know about World War One, but I know about that. <laughs> and I was really glad they did it. And I'm yeah. really glad that it's something that actually happened. Yeah. You know, that they didn't have to make it up. Mm-hmm. Yes. It, it was really good. So, um, hooray, you know, good science fiction still on television. Keep Let's keep making Doctor Who great. I'm really mm-hmm. curious to see what the new Doctor is going to be like. Uh, when the series comes back next September, I think. I so know. Yeah, it's a long time. That, that time to wait. And I have to say, too, it was so nice to see Bill Potts again. Oh, I love her. She's so good. She's really good. And the only reason she's my second favorite companion is because she only had one season. So I didn't get <laughs> to know her as well. My favorite companion is Donna. Oh, and uh-huh. I think one of the reasons those are my two favorites, first of all, they're wonderful characters. And they expanded the world immensely. But also there was never this hint of romance with either of them. And that's part of what I could not take about Rose. Mm -hmm. She just made me want to gag. But, um, (laughs) yeah, it was so nice to see her again and have her be an important part of the story. Yeah, everybody who was in it was very important, even mm-hmm. having Nardol come back at the end. Yes, see, he's always had hair, but it's invisible. It's invisible now, <laughs> yeah. Oh, so good, so very good. Yes. Oh, it, it was all good. You know, I they, they missed the one uh, line that I was kind of waiting for, which has become the standard joke whenever one of the doctors sees the new TARDIS, and he says, oh, you've redecorated I don't like it. And they didn't do that verbatim. And maybe they felt it would have been just a little bit of overkill. But well, okay. maybe so. But um, yeah, you know, the, the, uh, the, the first doctor's reaction to the, the current doctor's TARDIS, you know, all of that, it was like, it was so wonderful. It was great. And I will say personally, I was delighted that um, they they referenced the liquor cabinet that only River knew where it was. And yes. apparently the doctor didn't know where it was that whole time. Oh, and I liked, um, well, I thought I'd get younger. I am younger. Yep. <laughs> I mean, just you, when you think of the expanse between the two of them, mm-hmm. you know, that probably the 12th doctor maybe doesn't remember at all or barely remembers the adventures yeah. of the early ones. Yeah. Having gone little... through so many regenerations. Yep. Oh, so good. So yes. hooray, Doctor Who. Yay. They yes. went out with a, a big bang. Oh, that was that was delightful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of good television, um, oh, I will say, as everybody knows, you know, it's Discovery coming back. They've started to show commercials for it. I just saw mm-hmm. one on Facebook or something. Uh, it was, I think, just the thing that they showed at the end of the last episode. Okay, where the hell are we or whatever he said. Yeah, yeah so right after that, and then it said, you know, uh, you know, coming coming in January, and there was about 20 seconds of clips from the next couple of episodes, and I think it was just that recycled. I didn't see anything in it that we hadn't already seen. Mm-hmm. I am excited. It's good. It's going to be good. I am excited, too. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about Star Trek Phase 2. Well, no. Now that we've started no. talking about Discovery, I want to talk about the Mushroom Man. Oh, the Mushroom Man. Yeah, let's do that first. This okay. article blew me away. It's called, it was in British Columbia something or other, <laughs> but um, it's Star Trek's secret weapon, a scientist with a mushroom fetish ba- <laughs> bent on saving the planet. First of all, there is a real guy named Stamets, which I didn't know. Wow, you're right. I That's didn't... his wow. name. They named the character after him. And if you read this article, you will learn a, a lot of interesting things about mushrooms and the properties they have and the, uh, the, you know, the things that he's discovering and other people are discovering. But here's the funny, he built his house and there's a picture of it with Star Trek in mind, trying to evoke that whole thing. So he's a Trekkie. But then it says... <laughs> The writers of Star Trek Discovery were stuck in a plot rut and decided to call Stamets for help. And I'm just sitting around, picturing them sitting around going, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to, you know, come up with something? And somebody goes, let's call that mushroom guy. (laughs) Okay. Help us out. (laughs) 
because he thinks mushrooms are the solution to everything. So it's a very interesting article, but I just thought that was so interesting. I mean, you know, let's say you were to name your your character on your science fiction TV show after Neil deGrasse, DeGrasse Tyson. Mm-hmm. We'd all get that. After Neil Gaiman, a lot of us would get that. You know, things like Asimov. I hope everybody would get that. But to name him Stamets after a guy who this very small, limited group of people has heard of and make him a mushroom expert just like that guy, I think that's awesome. That's so cool. I had no idea that that character was named after a real, actual person who is a mushroom guy. That's so cool. And that's, to me, another amazing thing about it is we're just finding out about it now. Oh, can I read you? uh, I just want to share this with our listeners because this, for me, is the best part of the article. His own obsession with fungi began with a harrowing experience at age 19 (laughs) when he ate an entire bag of magic mushrooms, which contain a hallucinogen. While high, he climbed a tree in a violent thunderstorm and got stuck. He admits he ingested too many mushrooms. I knew nothing about dosing then, said Stamets. This is the best part. But he said the frightening experience had an unintended benefit. It cured his childhood stutter. Wow, random. Well, so the other thing ate... is, I knew no- nothing about dosing then. Uh-huh. Is the same as saying, since then I have ingested magic <laughs> mushrooms, but now I know what I'm doing. I know much better what I shouldn't do. This is he ate a bag of mushrooms. He climbed up a fucking tree in a thunderstorm and oh got stuck, which must have been the most terrifying experience ever. Oh. But it cured his stutter, so hey. Oh, hey. Wow, that's that's the buried lead in this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Eating a bag of magic mushrooms will well, cure your, your stutter. <laughs> there is a lot of really interesting information in this article. Of course, yeah, we'll post the link. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so there's a real Stamets. Um, hopefully not hooking up to the universe like fictional Stamets does and, you know, wrecking yeah. his head or whatever, but... Oh, well, maybe he'll be. Maybe they'll give him a little guest appearance on the I show. I bet be they will cool. at some point. Star Trek does stuff like that. Oh you yeah, know? they like it. They yeah. like. They like rewarding. Maybe he'll be Stamets's dad or his cousin. Oh, or... that would be cool. That, that would, would be, be okay. Cool. Yeah. So that's really all our news on Discovery, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, they haven't said much. There haven't been leaks. I haven't seen any kind of rumors or anything like that. People are still arguing online about yes. where the heck and they I'm, are. But... I'm avoiding all that. I did see a thing, and I did not click through to it, about um, – oh, no, that was Game of Thrones, so forget it. Forget I said anything. <laughs> as far as I know, there aren't any leaks, and if there are, uh, we are avoiding them. We want to just just go on this ride. Yes. Yes, yes, please. Yes, please. All right. So want... now we're going to talk about Star Trek Phase 2. Yes. Uh, so this is a really good article at IGN, and I was trying to figure out why they published this now, mm-hmm. whether it was because of Discovery or just because somebody felt like writing this article. Uh, so it's about Phase 2, which, as you will probably remember, is what they were going to do. Uh, to continue the regular series after the animated series. And then it got scrapped and they took the plot and made it into the movie instead. Yes. So why don't you talk about the, the one really interesting thing, which I agree was something uh, I had never heard of before. There is always something new to discover yeah. in the uh, Star Trek universe. Um, now, let me see. They had brainstormed ideas, blah, 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 blah. And as you read this, as they discuss, well, there was going to be an episode, did this, did that. You know, you'll go, oh, yeah, well, they rolled that into TNG and they rolled that into this. But there was this one. It said, um, <clears throat> in a time travel episode, Kirk was to fall in love with a married woman. How scandalous. <laughs> during the events of Pearl Harbor in 1941. I am so intrigued by that. I I mean, was it just going to be like sort of a kind of a replay on the Edith Keeler thing or? 
where I, was I would, that gonna go? I would imagine they would they would have a, a totally different kind of plot set up for it because mm-hmm. you know that would, even then that episode was you know justifiably one of the best and most famous of the original series. Mm-hmm. But the idea of having them go back to Pearl Harbor that would be super cool. I mean, mm-hmm. talk about the the dilemma of wanting to save people and not being able to save people because you might be changing the future. Yes. Oh, ah, that would be great. Um, maybe they'll, I don't know, maybe they'll get around to doing that at some point. Well, the reason I was saying kind of like an Edith Keeler episode is, yes, you you rightly bring up the idea of changing the future. But it's also, if he was truly in love with this married woman, then that's another noble sacrifice Kirk has to make. Yeah. That maybe would have little or not a lot to do with saving the future. Maybe that's the thing is, you know, Spock revs up his, his mini guardian of forever. And it says, you can do whatever you want. You know, these people <laughs> affect nothing. Um, so does he, you know, pull her out of her marriage or does he respect that? Is she in love with him? What's going on? Yeah, I I would like to know more. Oh. I would really like to know more. Yeah, now if anybody has the contacts to find out about, you know, was this ever like at least worked out into an actual story? We're mm-hmm. dying to know. I would love to know. I would love to know. There's got to be somebody. I'm, I'm sure there's some website somewhere that's mm-hmm. got like, you know, everything you ever wanted to know about phase two is going to be included in that. Yes. Now, this picture they have of the Vulcan, it's so awful. Yeah. Um, and it's like, it, the hair is what makes it so awful. But it's like, he really looks more like he belongs in Star Wars. And maybe it's the hair that does that. Yeah. Well, you know, they were just, you know, costume tests and stuff. Yes, so yes. I, you know, can't expect it. But yeah, the hair is weird. Why Why they chose that hairstyle. I don't mm-hmm. think that, that, that that's guy's hair because it looks like a wig, doesn't it? It really does. Yeah. yeah. It's it's too long. Not, not Vulcan enough for mm-hmm. sure. Yes. I almost forgot. I have another thing to talk about. Okay. Um, so I'm just going to totally go crazy and tell you guys that I read... Uh, the comic book that they made of Harlan Ellison's The City on the Edge of Forever, the original teleplay. Oh, okay. So I've had this comic for a while and I just never got around to reading it. And the other night I was like, hey, I feel like reading a comic. Let me read it. So mm-hmm. as you probably remember, of course, uh, he wrote a teleplay and they had to change it quite a bit to make it into the finished script for various reasons. And um, that teleplay was published Oh my gosh, like 15 years ago. I have it. It's a paperback book and I read it. And it's interesting. It's, it's I really have it, neat. I have it too and I read it as yeah. well. So Yeah. So yeah. it's good, but it's not Star Trek, oh, which yeah. was the problem that they had with it. So mm-hmm. the uh, this is, uh, who is this published by? Image, I think. Oh, IDW. Okay. Um, they decided to take the script and turn it into a comic. So it's four issues and it's very interesting. They did the teleplay straight. They just completely adapted it from what was written. There's no changes. There's no additional dialogue or any cut dialogue for that matter. And it's very interesting. Um, it's not Star Trek, which is mm-hmm. my main complaint about it. It's it's a science fiction thing, but unfortunately the characters just don't behave like Star Trek characters. Mm-hmm. And I'm not objecting to the, the plot that sets these things in motion. So, uh, in the original teleplay, it's not McCoy accidentally injecting himself with a drug. It's this dude on the ship who's a drug dealer, and uh, he causes another one of the crew to fuck up and put mm-hmm. the ship in danger. And I think the guy eventually overdoses or something like that. And so he decides he needs to escape, and so he beams down to the planet, and they chase him. And then he's the one who goes through the Guardian, and then they have to go back to the past to, to figure things out. So that's fine. I mean, mm-hmm. whatever. That would have been acceptable. It's really Kirk and Spock, the main characters, who in no way behave like Kirk and Spock from the show. And I know that he wrote the bulk of this script before the show was airing. So so Ellison didn't really know mm-hmm. the, what the characters were supposed to be like. And that's fine. But when you see it like this, with them drawn 
Mm-mm. with the faces of William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy. And you're like, this is weird. Like, why are they acting like this? I kept saying that every time I'm going through it. It's like, why is Kirk saying that? Why is he acting like that? Kirk would never do that. So can you tell us some specifics? Yeah. Well, the main thing is that uh, he won't let Edith Keeler die. He is committed to staying in the past with her. Like, ah. he's just letting the future go. So it's he not a dilemma for him. He's made up his no. mind. No, he's made up his mind. It's like, uh-huh. and, and, and Spock is the one who has to be like, you know, Jim, what about your crew? What about all the people who were, you know, who got in the past, in the future that got changed? What about the people who are waiting for us back on the planet? And Kirk's like, no, fuck them. I'm staying here with Edith. And it's like, that is not Kirk. That is totally not Kirk. He would never do that. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point of the episode is that even though Edith is important to him, his ship and his crew members that he responsible are, are far more important. Oh, yeah. Far more important. Yeah. So that, yeah, it's so, yeah, it's not Star Trek. You read it and you're like, no, Kirk would never, ever do that. Uh-huh. And, that so it's weird it it's just a um it's a it's a weird imagining of what was supposed to be star trek but actually mm-hmm. isn't star trek well i remember um when i read a, sort of like a summary of what harlan had written and then later when i read the the teleplay um thinking in this particular case i think roddenberry and the rest of them were right that the changes they uh, made maybe did not make Harlan's story stronger, mm-hmm. but it certainly made a strong Star Trek episode. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I it his story, his original story, was a different story, and it mm-hmm. just wasn't a Star Trek story. And in order to make it work, they had to make significant changes to yes. it. Yes, it just it it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been right, and it wouldn't mm-hmm. have been those characters. You know, uh, let's see. I'm I'm just trying to come to a part. Uh, so after Edith says "I love you" to him, and mm-hmm. he leaves, and so Kirk's talking to Spock, and and Spock is all along been like, "Hey, Captain, you know she has to die. This is what has to happen." And Kirk refuses to accept it. So uh, Spock is kind of waiting for him, and Kirk says, "You can't know how it is with her." to Spock like that's his defense for saying that he's not going to let her die Mm -hmm. you can't know how it is with her and then Spock says are they still alive in the transporter chamber captain and then Kirk's comeback is again you don't understand wait what is are they still alive in the transporter chamber oh the the crew that that he you know his his crew the crew of the Enterprise who are in a dangerous situation oh uh, okay you know orbiting the the Guardian oh all right all right right. sorry should have been clear about that okay um and then Spock says, um, uh, I am not a human subject to the pains and pleasures of love. Um, no, that is true. I am merely part human and I am merely concerned with saving the lives of the ones who trusted us to save them. As you are not, apparently, Captain Kirk. <laughs> Do you know what this does sound like? What? It sounds like an episode of the Rebooty verse. Yeah, it is. Where, it is where Spock is the, the one being responsible and heroic and everything, and Kirk is a jerk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Young and douchey so Kirk, yeah. He's he's just, he's wow. weak, and he keeps saying, you know, oh, I've never met anybody like her. I've I've never had conversations with any other person. It's like, come on, really? Really? Oh. And for that, you're going to sacrifice everything the future Mm-mm. you're going to sacrifice everything hmm. uh, I, yeah he even says to spock i was trying to find some of this di- there's a really lot of dialogue that that goes on here uh this is something else spock total communication i've never known anything like this with anyone she knows spock she understands everything and spock says it can be a foolish thing captain we are only phantoms here things lost from a future that may not even exist again we that's may a not great even... line yeah i mean some of the writing is really good um we may not even exist uh that we may not even exist we have not even been born yet lost things set down on an alien shore captain and kirk says why why does it have to end here and spock says you cannot change the past without changing the future 
And then Kirk says, why can't I bring her back with me? She isn't important here. The way she feels, the goodness, the things she believes for this world, they aren't ready for it, Spock says. She's going to die. And then Kirk finally has to come to grips with this. And, and Spock's like, she has to die. And uh, he just refuses to accept that she has to die because hmm. he's in love with her. I don't want to think about it. Leave me alone. Oh, gag. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that Does he have not... those? Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's comic. It's drawn. Does he have those weird jaggedy tears that they get in comics? <laughs> I don't uh, think Kirk actually cries. his eyes. Okay. No, he doesn't. Um, <laughs> ass. The, the artist has drawn them wearing the clothes that they do in the episode. So okay. It, okay. the look of it is consistent. But I got to say, you know, the artist did a good job. But mm-hmm. there are some panels that are just actually not very well done at all. And oh. I'm very sorry to have to say that. But, you know, he, he had to extrapolate from... Mm-hmm stuff that was in the episode and and i guess maybe some live models and there are parts where you're looking at it's like oh that's not how bodies work Mm -hmm. that that arm is in the wrong place and it's about twice as long as it should be oh yeah yeah. like the long fingers in time trap exactly it's kind of like that So anyway, um, I will say that it was interesting to read it. Um, It's not anything that I can strongly recommend for fans of Trek. If you want to see an imagining of this particular script with the understanding that it's not really Star Trek, Mm -hmm. it's it's worth a read. It's a quick read. You know, I read all these four or five episodes in uh, episodes, geez, all these issues in one sitting. And that was pretty good. So there you go. Um, I wish that Kirk had looked a little more like Kirk, though. Again, yeah. people have this problem where they just can't make Kirk look like William Shatner. What is the problem? He's not that hard to draw. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now you've got me thinking about something. Suppose there's an alternate universe, not where this happens, where Kirk is, you know, just wanting to to give up on the future and stay with her or whatever. But an alternate universe where, okay, Kirk knows what he's got to do. It happens the way we see it. She gets hit by a car or a truck, and McCoy saves her. He's able to, you know, get in there and do his doctor thing. So World War II doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Could that be the universe that Discovery's set in? Oh, my God. Wow. Okay. Sure. Yes. Okay. (laughs) I never thought of that. I didn't either until we were just talking about this. You know, this whole idea of it's an incident every Trekkie knows. Yeah. Oh, my God. You could be right about this. (sighs) I never thought of that. Me neither. Oh, so interesting. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. We're going to have to think about this. (laughs) Okay. I've got something else for you to think about. This is an expression I came across as something that had nothing to do with Star Trek. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) when you were saying he he draws him wearing the clothes they were wearing, and I'm remembering Kirk in the jeans with Uh the plaid shirt on. Do you know what the term for that is? What? A lumber sexual. (laughs) (laughs) I knew there had to be lumber in it somewhere. It's a lumber sexual. (laughs) <laughs> yep, he looked he looked pretty good in that outfit. Not not as good as he did. I I was thinking about this the other day, and <laughs> it's really a toss up for me between um, the jeans and the shirt that he's wearing in um, the Nazi episode, because those jeans fit him oh. really really well, and the way he's dressed in Return of the Archons, which just I don't know. There's something about that that string tie and that yeah. coat he's got on. I don't know. He looks so good in that. So good. Um, I am particularly fond of the outfit in Bread and Circuses. <gasps> yes, that that's a good one too. The the cut of that t-shirt with the sleeves. Yep, yep. You that's know, good. oh yeah, cap yep. sleeves. Never thought I would love a man in cap <laughs> sleeves. But that just is another media conquered, as far as I'm concerned. I think you're right. I think you're right. Well, maybe we could go with we could go with the Bread and Circuses outfit as like the casual weekend wear, and the Return of the Archons one as like more formal because oh, there yeah. is a coat and a tie. Oh a yeah, more dressed up. Yes. Yes. Okay. Good. Well, I'm glad we can agree on that. Well, what don't we agree on? <laughs> 
right. Well, I think that does it for I all the things we had to I think it does. Yes. We've had some interesting discussion here. Oh, as uh, always. Good way to close out 2017. Yes. So uh, we are looking forward to discovery in 2018 Yay. and uh, the, the cons that we're going to go to in 2018 and Bill's Christmas album that's going to happen <laughs> in 2018. Maybe sort of kind of find out about that and yep. all the other stuff that we don't even know about yet that's that's yet to come so i have to focus on that to keep myself from thinking about reality which just gets worse every single day oh so. i know i know <laughs> let's not go there yeah let, let's just think about star trek and yeah. that'll make it better at least temporarily temporarily <laughs> that's true so um mary shatmas and a very happy new year to all of your listeners thank you so much for being our fans our listeners yes. we love you all oh and for we- those of you who are wondering um, because, uh, you know, Lena opened her Shatmas gift, <laughs> my Shatmas gift, which I opened a week ago because Lena told me to, um, was a big, and I do mean big, delicious, <laughs> wonderful loaf of limpa bread, Yeah, which I probably talked about several times on the show. It's a Swedish bread, a Swedish rye made at Shatmas. It's got some orange rind, and I have been just making the most delicious toast out of that. So, thank you. (laughs) You are so welcome. I will say, I also tried on. Oh, and and jam. I keep forgetting to say about the Lingam Mary jam. Yes. Um, I tried on my sleep shirt with yes. some tights and boots, and it looks smoking hot. So I will be wearing that at some point, some somewhere, somehow, I will make that happen. But it looks great. <laughs> okay, then I'm not going to ask you to send me a picture, because I know I will see it when you wear it. You will see it. But yeah, I am it, so glad. It looks terrific. Yeah, it fits perfectly. And yeah, it, it really, it's it's good. It's really good. I have to figure out how to put my hair up or something. So that okay. completes the look. Yeah, it's great. So thanks again. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, I think that does wrap us up for this show. And we will be back with another show soon. Please keep emailing us, leaving comments on the Facebook page, responding on Twitter. We love you all. And um, to all, a merry, merry Shatmas. And a good night. Good night. (laughs) 